I just learned that not too long ago. Three, two, one. And we got Jason Hare. Is that how you say it? Hare. Yeah. Hare. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, because sure it's really. It was Hare. Probably yeah, good. Hare. <laughs> Hare. <laughs> I'm sure you get a bunch of different ones. Yeah. Usually hair or hairy. So you were telling me like where it came from or what you thought about it? Yeah, well, I just, just found this out recently, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, up until, what, a year ago, not even, I was always under the impression that I was like very German heritage very much German. Okay. My mom has a little bit of, uh, I think, Polish and something else on her side, but primarily German. But I never had any teachers, anybody that I meet for the first time, rarely do they say my first name right. And I was just thinking not too long ago, there was two teachers, I had two teachers my whole growing up, my whole life that said my name right the first time. Uh, The first was a French lady. She was my like fourth grade teacher, but she was French. And then in college, uh, I had a, I was taking Spanish, but my instructor spoke multiple languages. Bilingual. French yep. being one of them. Yep. Those are the only two people that ever said my name right. So I thought, That's more French. Right? Wow. It wasn't even six months ago. I was talking to my parents about it, and I was like, yeah, you know, I just kind of recognized that the only people that ever say our, our last name correctly the first time, in my life at least, has been two French people. And my dad said, well, that makes sense. We're like French Belgian descent. And I was oh. like, oh, I thought we were German. Turns out, apparently, French Belgian is the like the familial heritage, but okay. they all lived in a community uh, just across the border in Germany. So a little German town, but it was a French Belgian I gotcha. town. So so it's anyway. like being a French American. That's funny, it's, man. Yeah. Okay, so we got Jason. I'm still gonna get it wrong a million times. Hari. 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 Ah, I got it right. Yeah. Hey, that's one. I went to a couple of different um, French language classes in high school and one through college as well. So maybe that's what I did. So I'm able to say it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, what what do you do? I know you're uh, chi- you're into chiropractic. That's what you do for a yeah. profession. What what do you what what would your title that is that what your title would be? Yeah, I'm a doctor of chiropractic. All right. Um, licensed for it'd be twenty. 21, almost 22 years here, uh, coming up actually in March. That's amazing. Yeah. And how long have you guys been here? We moved down family? to Southwest Florida in 2014, so Jan- January of 2014. Okay. So right at, what, seven years now. Wow, that's been a while now. Okay, yeah. awesome. So what was it? Um, you've only had uh, two girls at the time then, no? no or you had a baby. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, she was healthy was a baby. One, Holy was, smokes. She was not even a year down here or, i'm sorry she that's got to be a trip and a half huh yeah. i can only imagine man yeah. Yeah. so um just to give everybody a little background on how we met yeah. uh we met through pptc fitness of course yeah. um you guys came in you were looking for training for all three of the girls all the girls play different sports um well uh does kelsey still play soccer is that no she not at the moment she's just dance what right is now. she i heard of something about softball though yeah yeah, yeah. oh so boy she, that's her little one so she's eight Dance is what she's been doing. She tinkered with soccer a little bit. Now she's wanting to try softball. That's awesome. Tennis. Uh, Ball of energy, that girl, man. Every once in a while, she'll throw in some other random <laughs> lacrosse or something like that. That's know. awesome. I don't even know where she's learning. So we got that. her. She she wants to do the dance and then a bunch of different things. Yeah. And then you got... um. Uh, 
Lauren in the then middle. you got Lauren in the middle, yep. And how old is she? So you got she eight. Is, she's 11. She's 11, uh, yeah, wow. 11, and she's a soccer She's player. all about soccer, right? And actually, she did something a little step out of her comfort zone this year was the cross country, which is yeah. super hard. Yeah. And probably uh, very beneficial for soccer, obviously, yeah, in she, the long aspect. Uh, she absolutely loved cross country. And um, so that was that was interesting. I mean, obviously, for absolutely. her, it was a new experience, but it was also new because neither my wife nor I ever did any type of competitive running. Yeah. Just for fitness or training or whatever, but. Sure. Uh, never did any cross country, never did track and field or anything like that. So she jumped in, she loved it. She was all about it. Yeah. Yeah, man, she that's awesome. Really, she did really well considering she has, I mean, she had no idea what she was doing as far as any kind of strategy or anything like that. She just ran and uh, I guess she just, God blessed her with some that's... lung capacity and some, uh, yeah yeah man and she <laughs> she's just that girl's non-stop she's like yeah you know just wants to keep getting better keep she, go, yeah, go, she's go. Very energetic. awesome sure. man and uh, uh olivia is the oldest mm -hmm. and she is 13. she's 13 wow yeah. uh she's she's all so about you went two, two, two. yeah yeah, yeah ah, that's much. impressive man pretty close wow pretty close that was not by design it was just that was well it was by design yeah. just not your idea yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, not, our not your design yeah man that's amazing that's yeah. uh how, how things work out like that yeah but um yeah, so we met here, and um, his family's awesome. All three girls are coming here to train, and uh, as a family, and then you guys have stayed with it um, somewhat. Mm -hmm. uh, but before we get into your everyday life and all that stuff, sure. I want to take everybody through your background. Okay, let's. Uh, wh where did you grow up? Like, where were you born and raised, yeah, man? Born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Wow. Uh, my wife and I both actually. Oh, really? Did you yeah. guys know each other when you were young? Yeah, we were neighbors. No uh, way. Seventh grade, I think, sixth or seventh grade. No way. Her family moved in like two, maybe three doors away from us. Were you guys friends or just knew yeah. each other? Wow. No, we, we hung out in the same circles Look all through that. Uh, middle Son school, of a high school. We did not start dating until college. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay. So we, we've known each other since we were 12, 13 years old. So when you're, that's amazing, man. Yeah. You don't really hear stories like that usually. No. That's so amazing. So uh, you got, you were growing up. Did you, I, I know you play baseball mm -hmm. um, throughout your whole life. Yeah. Uh, did you do anything else for like hobbies? Like what, what were you, what was your thing growing up? Like you played baseball, uh, organized baseball, but what else did you do? Organized baseball, organized soccer. Um, and that consumed a vast majority of time as far as like outside of school or whatever. But otherwise, I mean, you know, typical Midwest suburb life. I mean, I would get home from school at whatever, three o'clock, three 30. I'd run inside, throw my backpack down. And then I was right back outside. Our, our neighborhood there was very typical for the Midwest. And so, I mean, it's just, you know, streets, sprawling houses and everything else and kids everywhere. So, I mean, you <laughs> go outside and uh, I mean, it was always basketball in the driveway, uh, football, wiffle ball, soccer in the backyard, that kind of thing. And, and it was really as soon as I could get out the door from school and then until the sun was <laughs> setting and then I knew I had to go home yep. or whatever. Awesome, man. Yeah, that, that was my childhood, pretty much. Yeah. Man, that's how... I mean, I was like that, too, in a way. I think we did a little, maybe, um, in my head, and looking back, me and my dad both agree, I think we did a little, maybe, too much baseball. Okay. But um, in my childhood, it was kind of the same thing. Like, if I wasn't going to practice that night, or if yeah. I wasn't, it was like, oh, we're shooting hoops, or we're playing, you know, wiffle ball in the backyard, or you know, a stick ball mm -hmm. or, you know, it's just nonstop. And yeah. if it wasn't anybody else, it was just me and my brother, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, um, we'll make lineups and we'll go try to do these guys different stances, whether it's lefty yeah. or righty and just 
have fun, you yeah. know, and yeah. have a great time. So I, I hope, you know, a lot of kids I know nowadays don't really do that. So it's so different. It's I mean, so different. You know, and, and again, I'm comparing Southwest Florida to you know, St. Louis, Missouri, which right, is two the different typical places. Midwest. Yeah. I mean, it was unheard of. Uh, when I was growing up, it was unheard of really to have a play date. Right. You're already playing. You're playing every day. I'm 46, so this is we're going back a little ways here, we're going right? Back so, a little ways. But it was unheard of to have a play date. It that's amazing. Just, First of all, everybody that's watching this knows this man does not look 46. And how <laughs> how was your wife? You're about your age. She's she's older than me. But wow. Don't Still tell her I, doesn't look as old as you at all. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, it's just different. Like you know, that's anymore amazing. with our kids, it's like okay, if they want to get together with a friend or they want to play or whatever, we gotta all them coordinate and then we got to meet and we're driving them somewhere to play or whatever and I, I understand some of that is just geographic I mean there's sure you know neighborhoods are different down here than they were up there and everything else but uh, like I said I mean it was I'd run in the door hey mom home from school throw my backpack down I'll be home for dinner and that was it you know yep. I mean um, but at the same time we had a really tight-knit community where we grew up and so there was never any concern with any of the parents of where are you going to go? You know, who's going to be watching? We were always in somebody's backyard. And so parents were right. always around and home. They were just inside looking out the window every once in a while to make sure we were still there and not, you know, terrorizing a neighborhood pet or something like that. <laughs> but otherwise, it was just kind of like we ran and played and, you know, had fun. Um, and not that the kids don't have fun now, but it's just so different. Sure. It's so different. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's through like, you know, elementary school years. And the, I'm sure the same thing happened in middle school, right? Going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you were going through that and you were playing uh, all these sports and doing all these different things, did you happen? Because I know you've seen what um, we do here with your girls mm -hmm. and how we have, you know, an organized, you know, sports performance program specifically for soccer or yeah. specifically what they want to work on. Did you, were, did you guys have anything like with coaches or doing anything on the field that actually had anything to pertain with? Because I know fitness, we're talking, you know, you're 46 now. We were yeah. just saying it's been a while. Right. Um, did you guys have anything regimented? Because I, I know what it was like when I was around, but, you know, you're a little still a little older than me. So. Sure. Yeah, no, we didn't actually. Um, you know, as far as like club soccer or tra we called it travel. Traveling soccer, traveling baseball. That's what that's what we called that's it. That's what we called yeah, it. Yeah, what is it what is it called now? Now that it's referred to as club typically, or in some cases you'll still hear it referred to as travel, but it's usually competitive, competitive. is what it should be. Yeah, yeah right. I, I think competitive. We call it competitive sometimes, but yeah, travel ball yep. was always the thing. That's and that's what it was for us too. But outside of just regular practices, um, you know, a couple, three nights a week or whatever, and then games scattered in between there, it wasn't until probably just before high school um, with my competitive baseball in particular to where we started doing what would be considered kind of more regimented training, but it was not physical fitness. It was cages, batting cages, right. throwing programs, things like that. But it still was only like working on skills. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was definitely not any, conditioning specific conditioning or physical or like training a progressive besides program sprints man cracks me up i go and i watch uh lauren our middle one soccer i mean and she plays on a very good team at a high level and they do a whole bunch of technical training right rarely do they run sprints really and i remember man 
I remember every single practice. All the time. The last 15 minutes was running of some sort. Yeah. Or suicides or whatever. And it, of course, we all dreaded that. So that was so that was your regiment really yeah, was that. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty and, much. you know, it's funny you say that because that was mine. And I think it went a step further for the simple fact that my dad, you know, he, mm -hmm. he was in boxing. He yeah. did a lot of boxing, um, almost went to the Olympics for the nice. USA through boxing. And um, he knew how to get in shape. Right. He knew how to work out hard. Right. Um, you knew how to build up your lungs and your physicality. Yeah. But uh, uh, tortoise, we all know now what we know about about science and things like that is that boxing is obviously a different sport than baseball. So the way you would train right. is a little different. Yes, you're going to do explosive things. Yes, you're going to lift some weights. But as far as baseball players, they're all about power, explosiveness, yeah. and, and lifting weights and getting bigger and stronger. Whereas a boxer needs to maintain a certain weight so he's not fighting guys that are naturally out of his <laughs> weight class, right? Humongous. <laughs> yeah. So he knew how to how to work us out. So after the after the practice or something like that, as you were saying is that, you know, that extra 15, 20 minutes at the end would be like, you know, uh, bear crawls, uh, crab crawls, uh, duck walks, you know, and sprint, a uh, ton of sprints. That mm -hmm. goes without saying, mm -hmm. uh, suicide, you know, with, set, up, set up two or four different teams and have them do uh, shuttle runs where the ball's in the glove and, and you yep. do sprint and you do um, suicides, taking the ball out, bringing it back, taking the ball out, bringing it back, yeah. working on your change of direction, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, but there wasn't a specific focus on like, oh, this is how you actually change direction, right? Because we didn't know about that sure. aspect of it. We just knew that this is important we need to do it yeah and, and i think part of that at least because it wasn't until I'm, I'm trying to remember now um it was not until probably middle school for me that i actually then played for a team that had a coach that played at a high level um you know most of my coaches growing up were, were very good they knew the game uh, baseball and soccer on both sides of it they knew the game well but most of them, I don't think, played anything beyond maybe high school. Okay. Um, you know, still very knowledgeable and everything else. It wasn't until I think it was my eighth grade year um, that I started playing with a local travel team. That, looking back on it now, I in, in today's day and age would would have been considered or would be considered a showcase team. Yeah. Um, there was no such thing like that around until that year, and there weren't a whole lot of them. Um, and so I went and we I played on a. a what I get, we still called it a travel team, but it was more of a showcase team. And right. It was uh, coached by um, uh, Kenny Reitz. I don't know if anybody, any old baseball fan. That sounds familiar, actually. But yeah, he was he was our coach, and so he, he played professional baseball for a while. It wasn't until then, which was the summer before my freshman year in high school, um, and of course with that, then we did more. What you see if you ever watch like spring training, major league spring training drills and stuff. We did a lot of that kind of thing, but it still was not physical conditioning as much as it was baseball conditioning. Sure. Kind of a thing. But until then, he was the first ex-professional or paid professional coach that I ever had anymore. Uh, like with these club teams, these travel teams, these showcase teams, these are professionally licensed coaches, yep. um, salary coaches that are that are teaching and training these, you know, in the case of my daughter, 11 U12 soccer players, which yep. is phenomenal for them. Um, but because of that professional training that they have, and most of them have played at a high level above high school and even beyond college in some cases, so they've been through it themselves. And so they you know, can kind of draw on their experience as far as what they felt helped them the most and, and you know, conditioned them the best or whatever for the specific sports. Right. Time. So 
again, it's just a difference. Yeah, know, I, I feel like I'm sounding like that kind of old back in my day kind of a thing. But yeah, but it changed. wasn't long ago. Yeah, it wasn't long ago that it's changed. Like I've I've had this uh, PPTC is in its fourth year, mm. and um, when I first started, it was like we didn't have this at all. Now it's like a known thing. Like you should go get yeah. training. You should go somewhere for a specific. Um, sports training or specific athlete training just yeah. to get you become a better athlete, um, which is the sports performance that I teach yeah. is for all the sports. Yeah. So it, it, it's known now, yeah. but before it wasn't known, it was like I was a rare commodity and not that I'm not now, but it, it was like, it was like this thing like, oh, you do what? Yeah. Like, you know, what is that? Yeah. Like, we didn't understand what a sports performance was. You know, when I was talking about, oh, I do sports performance. Wait, what's that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm performing better at your sport. You know, just switch the words around a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's coaching. I mean, it's yes. very simple. That's what it is. And coaching you how to become a better athlete. Yeah. How to use your body to get the most efficient way to do something. And I, I think, you know, a lot of that evolution in terms of just sports in general, especially on the youth level, has come from what we see in professional athletes now. Um, you know, not to say that when I, you know, growing up in the eighties, baseball was a big thing. Professional baseball was a big thing. Oh yeah. Soccer was not all that big here in the United States at that point in time, but you know, football, uh, hockey was, is big in the Midwest and everything else, but you would watch them. You'd watch the games, you'd watch the sports and most of the local teams, you knew the players and everything else. And you knew that they were good athletes, but the belief at that point in time was, oh, well, they're just naturally gifted for right. baseball or for basketball or for you know, whatever the sport may be. But I think with the evolution of sport and how um, monetized it's become and how uh, these professional athletes have become more ingrained in daily fabric, and they're truly, yes. they're celebrities now. They're, they're like movie stars were yes. back in the 60s and 70s. They're now movie stars, and so everybody Fact. knows of them. Even if you're not a sport fan, you still know the names. Yeah, everybody knows who's, who's LeBron industry. James is. Everybody knows who Mike Trout yeah. is. It's you know, everybody knows these people. And so now you have kids that are growing up, and, and you know, especially kids that are already showing some um, desire or, or joy with athletics. Then instantly, it the, the switch seems to flip to, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a professional baseball player, soccer player, football player, whatever it may be. Sure. And because of coaches and trainers like you mm -hmm. and availability of nutrition and things like that on, you know, you can do a simple Google search and find yes. some, some quality information. information. But you can also find some good information. Sure. Yeah. Well. There is tons of, and I tell people to do their research all the time because there yeah. is tons, there's tons of just like people being bad at a job. There's tons of bad trainers yeah. and there's tons of people um, that put out false information. Sure. Yeah, so, and it's so it's true. Just, it's so readily accessible now. Yes. And, you know, at, at the same time, people have the means to do it. And so you're seeing 10, 11, 12-year-old kids that are now going and doing sports-specific training. And it's not so much that it's 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 more of the norm now, really. Yes. Than it is. Yeah, it's it's the thing to do. Like, yeah. if you're not doing it, it's like, oh, well, yeah. you're not going to get better unless you do this. I mean, there, were, there were a couple guys that I played with in high school that were – incredible uh, athletes they were incredible incredibly gifted baseball players primarily but showed some promise and were noticed regionally for their athletic promise and therefore they were then picked to hey why don't you come to this kind of elite level camp that we do right 
So it was around then, but it was only for those players that, that were specifically handpicked. Somebody else saw and said, "Hey, you know what? This guy's got some promise, or this girl's got yep. got the ability." Let's one hundred percent. Now, like I said, I mean, here's my daughter playing on a local a local competitive team, and and they happen to be one of the better teams in the state at their age group. But still, it's eleven year old girls, and they're playing soccer. Yes, but I think. Of the 14 girls that are on the roster, I think all but maybe two or three of them are doing individual or private training outside of team training every week. Yes, have to. You know, just because it's kind of what you do. What you do. Um, Do you want to have an edge? Do you want to get better? How do you want your your, uh, daughter to perform? How does she want to perform? It it straddles that, that line, right, of the parents that say, oh, how much is too much versus, right? you know, well, yeah, if if the kid is enjoying it and everything else and having fun with it. Yeah. Um, I can see both sides of that. That's Crazy. you come with a good point there. A yeah. lot of people ask me that. There's so many parents that come in here like, Oh, is this like, is that too much? Like I'm doing this, this, and this. Now there's been a couple where, Oh, my kid's playing on, um, the school basketball team, um, a travel basketball team and a travel baseball team. And I'm like, okay, well let's pump the brakes here. Yeah. Let's, you know, we could be on just one basketball team, right? right. Pick, let's pick something right. about about that. But as far as playing multiple sports, I always encourage. Oh that. yeah, absolutely. I, um, mean, I think being being um, happy is a big thing because um, you can't get burnt out if you're enjoying something. Exactly, and so that's kind of the line that my wife and I have, are, have have always taken, not only with with Lauren and soccer, but with Olivia and dance, and even Kelsey with dance. So she's getting a little bit more into it. Is yep. How much is too much? That question, the way we answer that is, well, too much is when it's no longer fun for you. That's yeah, when they start complaining about going to practice or, oh, we got to go right. there, you know, right. and you're like making them get dressed or, yeah. you know, whatever it is, it, yeah. you and know it's not worth it That's no more. too much. Now, yeah. the other side of that coin, though, is just strictly from a physical standpoint. Um, and, and this is where, you know, I mean, I guess because of, of my background and my profession and, and my wife also, even though she's not in the healthcare world. Um, you, she's, she's been with you for quite some time, yeah, first well, and, of all. And she's always been, you know, mindful of physical fitness and Obviously, and yeah, and she does else. very well in here, yes. And so, I guess I'll say fortunately for our kids, we know signs of overtraining and yep. the importance of rest and everything else. You know that so, worn down. Yeah, dragged so out. That part of the equation for us has never been an issue simply because, you know, we have the education in the background yes. to know. And so we've never said, okay, yeah, you're going to go and do four trainings a day. You're going to play this sport and that sport and everything else. Our big thing with, with all the kids is, hey, listen, do you want to? Are yeah. you having fun? Do you enjoy it? And if they say yes, then that's when my wife and I will sit down and say, okay, well, she trained today. She trained uh, yesterday. Uh, even though she wants to go today, she needs to take a day off. Right. She has this coming up. Yeah, or she has this practice as well. Right. right. So yeah, there, there's there's two sides to that equation, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, how much sure. Is too much is really more of the joy for the kid. Uh, yeah, and I was also going to mention. Um, I guess you, in a way, it is our responsibility as parents as well, because I guess we got to really know our kids as well because there's going to be sometimes like i know that when i was young even if i was like not feeling it that day you wouldn't have heard it no it would have been like oh yeah yeah i'm ready let's go want to play right right so i mean so i think it's up to us to see that and be like okay tomorrow yep you know tomorrow tonight you're just gonna sit here we're gonna watch a movie we're gonna hang out yeah we've always you know again my wife and i we've always been firm believers that kids are way smarter than we give them credit for that's so true um 
and so and that's 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 hard to remind yourself and remember when you're having some of the not so wise uh, conversations with them right. as far as some of the complaints yeah. that they have and everything else. Sure. But at the end of the day, we do, we do the best we can to explain to them why. Um, yeah. You know, hey, here's the option. You can go and train. You can go do four trainings today if you want. But you're going to be tired tomorrow. You got maybe a game or a performance coming up. And if you go do all that today, then you're probably not going to be at your best come performance time or game time. And that's up to you. That's on you. If you're okay with that, if you'd rather go train today, if that's more important to you than performing well at your recital coming up or yeah. in this game coming up or whatever, that's that's a you decision. Yeah. I'm just simply letting you know that if you want to perform the best on Tuesday, then maybe on Sunday and Monday you don't go and do all day double training or whatever the case may be. Right. Yep. Um, and then let them figure it out. And they will. Yeah. I mean, just like you did, just like I did. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and that's, I, I they got to let them make them decisions because eventually they're going to be on their own, right? So right. they got to start making those, oh, you know what? I think I'm, and they also got to know that factor where it's like, I'm taking days off or am I being lazy? Yes. Right. So that, that also, because I always say one thing to procrastinate on is rest. <laughs> I always tell people that if you're going to procrastinate on anything, procrastinate on rest, because a lot of times just that brain going, yeah, I'm a little tired. And then you push through that day and then you wake up the next day and you're like, all right, let's get it again. So you didn't really need the rest. It was just that. But when we're young, man, we need to we need to do things outside of a consistent work schedule. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because already going to school consistently, that's work. And you come home and they do want to do these activities because it's like, okay, good. I'm not at school. Let yeah. me go do something fun. Yeah. You know, but yeah, we got, we, I think as parents got to be able to, um, you know, help that, help sure. out with that big time. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of parents and everything, we went through high school. Yeah. We went through what you did in high school. Um, now let's move on to college. Mm -hmm. So where did you go to college? Uh, my first two years, I went to a, a small school in central Missouri. It was called Central Methodist University. Uh, I played baseball and soccer there for the first year. Um, and then interestingly enough, I mean, we, we were a small program. We were not uh, super good program. One of the um, boosters for the baseball program came to me after uh, my freshman year and he said, hey, I understand um, you, you're playing, you're, you know, you're on scholarship for baseball and for soccer. And I said, yeah. And he said, um, how long are you planning on doing that? And I, I said, well, until I graduate. Right. What do you mean? He said, well, I think it would be a good idea if you maybe didn't do both and you only played baseball. Okay. And, it, you know, as a, what I guess at that time I was probably 19 years old or whatever. Um, you know, I mean, at the time I thought, wow, this is somebody that maybe is seeing something or knows something that I don't know. And, you know, at that point in time, I still had grand delusions of grandeur that I would maybe be able to get drafted or something. Right. Like that. So I was like, okay, so... I, I stopped playing soccer at that point okay. um, and just stuck with baseball. For, so then my sophomore year, played baseball. Um, I didn't have a shoulder injury per se. I think looking back on it and knowing what I know now, uh, 25 years or whatever it is after the fact, um, I think I was, it was just repetitive use. Uh, my shoulder was just tired. It was weak um, and it hurt all the time. Yeah. And so speaking of, the, the fun part is baseball wasn't 
as much fun for me anymore. And I think it was yeah. due in large part to the simple fact that, you know, college baseball, even in a small school like that, it's hard. Yeah, um, no doubt. The the class schedule and, and the traveling and everything else. And we didn't even do like these division one athletes, man. I mean, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how they do it. I mean, I do. I know they have tutors and everything else that kind of travel with them. It's hard, man. We were taking the late night bus trip kind of thing and everything else. And, um, it was fun. I, lo- I would not, I would not trade that for anything. Um, I agree. <laughs> but after my sophomore year, you know, it was a teeny tiny little rural Missouri town that I was in. I wasn't loving baseball anymore. Um, I had a bunch of good friends and, um, and, and by this time, Sarah and I, my wife, now a wife, were dating. Okay. Uh, and she went to North. When did that start? Your sophomore year, your freshman year? After the summer, after our freshman year. Of okay. Wow. Um, and so. And that uh, just work out, or did you guys just like? Yeah, you know, like I mean, get together with friends. Yeah. And it just... So we we all came home, right? So like you graduate, uh, you're friends, yep. graduate from high school, everybody scatters and goes away for the yep. freshman year of college. Exactly. Most of us came home that first summer uh, after, and we just you know a handful of us started hanging out again like we did you know in sure. high school. but then as the summer wore on the group size just kind of dwindled and dwindled yeah. <laughs> and dwindled and before you know it it was just sarah and i and i was like hey why don't we hang out yeah <laughs> movie you want to go get some dinner or yeah i ain't got nothing else to do let's do and it so that's that awesome was, man that was when that started but heck yeah so that that was after freshman year of college and then i played baseball my sophomore year my shoulders started giving me trouble it wasn't just i just wasn't having as much fun I was kind of tired of the small school that I was at. Yeah. Um, just in general. Um, and so I, I started the whole transfer process to Northeast Missouri State. In part, Sarah was there, but I also had a whole bunch of other friends from high school that were going there. Okay. Um, and it's a really good school. And so I transferred. Um, it's a Division two school. So I transferred, tried to transfer, I, you know, not that you can transfer a scholarship, but I, I tried to have my coaches at Central. Uh, sure, reach out. Yeah, reach out. sure. And I did, and, you know, I went and I did the whole walk-on process and um, was offered a spot on their team. Um, but then I, you know, I, I don't want to say I turned it down, but my heart wasn't in it. And okay. so I just kind of went and went through the motions for the first, like the, the fall training that they did See, so you really want to play and then come springtime i was like yeah you know i think yeah I'm not gonna know, there was no this. scholarship money involved anymore and so uh, it so wasn't like i was walking away from money that could you could have helped you table or whatever right. for my education it was just I was, sure it was just another thing on my schedule and so that was the end of it that was the end of baseball for me as far as from a organized competitive standpoint yeah um I still did intramural baseball and soccer and everything else. Of course. Uh, and, and enjoyed that. But it was all school, man. Wow, man. Yeah. That's a that's crazy. So um, it, it, that's a big decision to make at, at such a young age to, like, decide whether, you know, you want to continue playing a sport or not. Yeah. So was your heart more into your career at that point, like where you were doing in school, or were you just more focused on your and Sarah's relationship? Like, no, it was just, it, it was just, I guess, life in general. Life and like, what yeah, am I going to do mean, next, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you, you and at that time, you were in your chiropractic, you were in your uh, your field. No, actually, I was. Uh, so this was still undergrad. Okay. Uh, just a typical liberal arts college. Um, yeah. I was a pre med major. I wanted to be an optometrist. Oh wow! Um, and I, I really don't know when and why that started. 
Um, but that's like, even before I graduated high school, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be an optometrist. Oh, wow. I'm gonna be an eye doctor. Um, so I was pre-med at uh, Central Methodist, and then I was um, still pre-med at, at Northeast Missouri State at the time. It's now Truman State University, for anybody that, that may know that's listening. <laughs> um, Northeast Missouri State University, so I was pre-med. Um, and at that point in time, that you know, I don't know, you just start to figure it out. Like I knew at that point, I was like, all right, I'm not going to get drafted or anything. So right. Baseball's kind of like fading away in, in terms of life. Yeah. Um, and then it was, uh, I had to take a anatomy and physiology class. Um, it was a 100 level class for pre-med majors. Yep. It was probably one of the toughest classes I've ever it's taken. hard. But the instructor, uh, his name was Fontaine Piper, Dr. Piper. Um, he was a doctor, a PhD in uh, anatomy and physiology. The dude was incredible. Uh, just his understanding of human anatomy and his ability to explain it just intrigued me. Um, and uh, so I went into him after after that semester and said, "Hey, I got a question for you. <laughs> if you had to do it all over again, um, he, he he was uh, head of, of the department." tenured, I mean, he had been instructing, he'd been a professor for decades already at that point. Right. I said, if you had to do to do it all over again, would you have taken the same route? Would you, anatomy, physiology, what would you have done? And interestingly, <laughs> interestingly enough, he said, you know, I think I probably would have become a chiropractor. And at the time, it, that didn't That's interesting. register with me at all. I, I knew nothing of chiropractic. I'd heard of it, but I mean, my family growing up, I'd never went to a, a, a chiropractor, chiropractor or whatever. Yep. As far as I know, my parents didn't even know any chiropractors. You know, I mean, that kind of a deal. And I said, really interesting. It just so happened that my next semester, one of the things I had to do curriculum wise was I had to do a local internship um, in the field that you're looking health, to get into. Health and field so or science. I or went whatever. and found a chiropractor. Wow rural town of Kirksville, Missouri, um, and uh, See if I you liked it. and just watched, and I, I knew, no, I had no idea what I was looking at or watching, but she was, uh, the <laughs> That's was funny. super sweet, she was very nice, she was very, very knowledgeable, and um, from that day, like when I first started in there, she started just peppering me with uh, brochures from the chiropractic college that she graduated from, uh, <laughs> Parker Chiropractic College in in Dallas, Texas. And at that point in time, I still I wasn't thinking, okay, chiropractic is where I'm going to go. I just sure. was kind of checking it out. Well, the longer I I interned with her and and watched and learned about it, it became very intriguing to me. Then coupling that together with what I was learning in anatomy and physiology, we had a an opportunity in Kirksville, there's an osteopathic, uh, doctor of osteopathic program, Kirksville College of Osteopathic Medicine. Yep. And so we were actually able to go and watch, observe um, cadaver dissections. As part of our undergrad anatomy and physiology, we would go and watch the doctorate students there going through their coursework. We got to watch them do cadaver dissections. Awesome. And I was just... I was just amazed at the human body, and so sure, at man. that point in time, I, I was like, okay, I want to, I want to do more than just eyes. I want to try to find out more about whatever. It's awesome. Still wanted to do pre med. I was still going to medical school. Okay. And chiropractic just started to grow and grow, and then philosophically, um, it just makes sense. It just made sense to me, and so that was 
That was kind of how I started that that path. Wow. Um, Graduated, Sarah and I both graduated from Northeast Missouri State in uh, 98. And then um, I had applied to four chiropractic colleges at that point in time. There's one in St. Louis, my hometown, which in my mind, that's where I was going. Right. That's home, going back home. Um, But Sarah was in a, she was a business uh, double major business and psychology and so oh, she wow. was going through corporate interviews and everything else sure and at that point in time we had been dating for a while and, and we both knew i think that, that you wanted to be married yeah okay and so um i basically said hey you know where are your opportunities and one of them that she had was in dallas texas oh and i said well there's a chiropractic school there matter of fact it's the one that uh, the doc that i had, had become good friends with no at way. that point in time. It had been a couple of years now. Um, so that's how I ended up down in, in Dallas, Parker Chiropractic College. Wow. And, uh, wouldn't change that for anything. It's an awesome school. Funny how God works, man. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And what are the chances of a school that she gets, a school you get an opportunity at and a place she actually gets yeah. a job opportunity at yep. and happens in the same yep. go. Wow, man. That's amazing. So what, not now, now you graduated, you're, you, um, did you, once upon graduating chiropractic school, did you straight get into the line of work you're in now with this company? No, 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 no. Um, I know you went straight to chiropractic, but you didn't get in with the company you're in now. No. Um, what, what did you initially do? Uh, initially, right out of school, we moved out to Denver, uh, Colorado. There was uh, a couple a couple docs that I uh, was in school with that graduated a year before I did from Parker. Went out there as a husband and wife. Um, mm-hmm. And they started a practice. So I went out there to be an associate in their practice. We were out there for two years. And um, it was great. I mean, we loved it. But uh, we were at a stage in life, really, we had just been married not too long, just a, a couple of years at that point. So Sarah was still trying to figure out, you know, her professional trajectory. She wasn't super happy with the job that she was in out there. And the practice I was in was great, but I was an associate. Um, right. And I, you know, I wanted to do more. I wanted my own practice. And so uh, through a tremendous amount of praying and talking and everything else, that's sure. what basically moved us from Denver back to St. Louis, uh, where she and that's I are both amazing. from. And I, I uh, started my own practice there. And, and uh, she had a couple uh, job opportunities there as well that were going to be better for her than in Colorado. So okay. we made the move, went back to uh our roots essentially wow. and so yeah and i had a practice there for 13 almost 13 years um and then sold that practice and oh wow uh, in, in order to move down here to southwest florida sure for the move right okay um, a buddy of mine that i graduated with um at parker wow he and i had stayed in contact and been good friends for a long time and uh, decided we were going to open a practice together down here. Wow. That's phenomenal, man. Yeah. Great story. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So now, um, when along this journey did you start having your girls? You Was it was it when you moved to home, back yeah, home? Yeah, so well, we moved back to St. Louis in 2004. Um, and so we were there for, for three years before we had Olivia our first. Um, okay. A little over three years, actually. Okay. Um, we started late. That's nah, okay. Uh, so to speak. But uh, how old were you when you started having kids? I believe 30 we were two. thirty-two. Yeah, I'm we out thirty on the first, so yeah. we'll meet you by a couple years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thirty-two, a little over thirty-two. We got our first. Yeah, so that's that's 
I, yeah, I mean, that, that's an interesting it's part is, of our, our faith. I mean, that was a big part of our faith walk as far as Sarah and I are concerned. Because neither one of us wanted kids. Like, we, we wow. it wasn't like we hate kids or anything like that, but we both were, had some professional goals. And, wow. Um, we're both firstborn, so we have that kind of like uh, that control. Yep, goal oriented first. And everything else. And sure. We're like, you know, we, kids are not in our in our plans for the future. Wow. Um, and, and she and I both grew up um, as believers and, and everything, but I would say it was probably when we were late 20s, I guess, is when um, I guess I would say Christ really took hold of my heart, her heart. Yeah. Um, and at that point, then it was just kind of like, well, you know what? We, we got to let go of the control, right? The, the family planning stuff, the birth control stuff, everything else. Yeah. Like, you know, this isn't, this isn't our decision. This isn't exactly supposed to be our decision. Right. And so um, we just said, you know, yeah, we'll just see what happens. Whatever he has planned for us, he has planned for us. <laughs> yeah. And there you go. And interestingly enough, uh, if you ever talk to Sarah, she'll tell you, she blames it all on mission trips. <laughs> um, she, she always had it on her heart to do mission trips. Um, and she never would do it, never would do it. And then she finally pulled the trigger. She, she committed to one. She took a signed up, registered, took a, a really awesome trip to Haiti with a small group from our church at the time. Okay. Um, and it was when she was there, she realized that she was pregnant with our first. Oh, wow. I didn't even know at this point. So here right. she is in Haiti. You'll have to ask her about this sometime. It was a crazy trip. Uh, for her, but okay, um, <laughs> I definitely. So that's will. when she realized she she was she was pregnant. It wasn't until she got home from that trip that she told me. Uh, wow. So that was that. And then <laughs> wow. Surprise, surprise. Second one. Um, again, not in our plans per se. But, right. Uh, she signed up for a mission trip, another mission trip through our church, and I think it was maybe uh, two or three weeks before. She had to go and get all these different, you know, immunization shots and everything else. That she found out she was yeah because they got to test you have blood. So that yeah. trip didn't happen. Wow. And then when we had our third one, um, she had been praying on and really considering doing this uh, a mission trip to uh, northern India at the time. It was that was going to be a significant one. I mean, because it was it was not going to be necessarily a. a rub-and-dub, lovey kind of mission trip. Oh, they were going into some, helping. To a, kind of a dangerous area, oh, wow. speaking for missionaries okay. and whatnot. So it was going to be a significant trip. It was months and months and months in the planning. Um, and then I think it right was when it maybe got to the two months before. No way. Yeah, so, so basically... I gotta ask her this. Basically, she's not trying to do any more mission no. trips at this point. <laughs> what, she, what she'll tell you is she's like, no, Jason forbids it, which is not true. That's not true. It's, it's her. True. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. You got three girls now. If you could have a boy for sure and have one more kid, would you do it? Um, not necessarily boy or girl. I mean, if, okay. if we could have one more kid, I would be all you for it. You would that. be all for it? Wow. That's um, awesome. But I'll tell you what. You like, love I the was girls. I really nervous. It's me and my brother. That's it. Yeah. Um, and all my buddies that I hung out with had brothers. So there were not many girls around as far as siblings and stuff. So, oh, so you weren't used to girls. And all of a sudden I got three girls, but I wasn't afraid <laughs> for anything. 
I wouldn't trade it. That's funny. A lot of my family's girls, so I'm used to the girls. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Like, I find myself at times sitting around, like, you know, just like a deer in the headlights with three girls, and I'm thinking, what would I do with boys? I mean, because girls, when they're younger, they're they're energetic and they're loud and they scream and they screech and everything else, but they don't climb on furniture. They don't. Yeah, they're not trying to be buck wild. Right. Yeah, and, and do so crazy stuff. I'm thinking, what in the world would I do with boys? There's no way I could handle it. It would be reverse. Sarah would be working and you'd be at right. home right. <laughs> and get off that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was nervous at first because I didn't know. I was like, I don't know what to do with, with the girl. That's I don't know how funny. to do this, whatever. Right. But now I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Yeah, man. I wouldn't trade it for anything either. I was telling um, my, me and my wife were talking about this and I was like, you know, we wanted a boy at first. We both did. And I was like, you know, um, just the mentality of having a girl and just having your firstborn in general, mm -hmm. I think it's such a, a soft moment, especially for, you know, new parents, you're new into it and everything. And I was like, you know, it's fun because you get to treat her like a little, you know, princess. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, a boy, you're not going to necessarily go right. To, I mean, it's your firstborn, so you're sure. gonna. But at the same time, sure. you know, it's a girl. You're just like, no, you can't get her hurt. Protect you know, you so it's like, yeah, 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 exactly. So it's um, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of glad we had her first so we can get that you know, experience. So if I need to be a little rough on my boy, it you'll wouldn't find, be. You'll find out soon enough. She, <laughs> she'll be meaner than most of the boys. I'm sure she'll she will. Be than boys for sure. And that's another thing. I wanted her to be able to do that for my boys too. Yeah. <laughs> Knock some heads if she has to. <laughs> she'll, do, she'll do that. I'm sure <laughs> she will. <laughs> oh my gosh. But what a, what a journey, man, through your life. You guys been through a lot, huh? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like we've had any we haven't had any struggles per se as far sure. as like you know compared to a lot of people uh, unfortunately that are dealing with all kinds of stuff but yeah. you know the biggest i'd say probably the biggest challenge for us individually as well as as a couple has has been ourselves yes you know um staying out of your own way <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know we we went through this phase where um we were almost paralyzed by analyzation uh, because we are both analytical and we're both yep. very conservative when it comes to, you know, well, we don't want to take that step unless we know what's going to happen and control it and everything else. And so that was a really big... You're always watching your own back, so to speak. Yeah, it was a really big part That's of... That's a big hurdle for me even now sure. to this day. You know, I'm still only 32, 31, 30, turning 32 this year. Yeah. You know, so that's a big hurdle for me, you know, owning a business, trying to see, okay, how can I make this day work? And it's really not in my, and I think my for, power. For me and for Sarah, because at that point in time, like when we were really going through that, it was about the same age. It was, it was kind of early to mid thirties. Um, she was part of my practice at that point. So she had gotten out of corporate America and she came in. Oh, okay. And so she's helping she you was, out. Yeah. She was running it's amazing. the office basically. It's amazing. And I think. Having your own business amplifies that type of thought process in your in your mind um, because now when you're making a decision, like when it comes to making a decision for my practice, always in the back of my mind was, well, what if this doesn't work? Because this this is providing for my family. Right. What if this doesn't work? And and so I would just overanalyze everything because I wanted to make sure that it was going to be perfect before I pulled the trigger. That's so funny. And, you know, the same thing happened with us moving down here, yeah. selling the practice there and moving down here. It, it sounded like a perfect opportunity. And I was I was I wanted to do it, but it took it took three years of significant discussion and prayer and seeking wise counsel all over the place right 
And what we basically got down to was like, okay, we want to do this, but we want to make sure that this is what God wants for yeah. us. Is this his path for us? Yeah, right. Am I doing the right thing here? And man, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, we still do that to this day. That is still what drives all of our decisions yeah. as far as it goes. But it needs to be. We were at right. a point where we really were, were called out <laughs> by a good friend of ours. Uh, sure. And kind of a spiritual mentor of ours who's one of our, our associate pastors at the time. He's like, okay, that's great. And you need to do that. And absolutely, you need to do that. He said, but you're now starting to use that as a crutch. Like, you need to make a decision. Right. And you need to trust if you've been praying on it and if, if you've been wholeheartedly looking to God to find out if this is right or wrong. Yep. You got to do it. Like, you, yeah, especially you if still, it's still around, right? Yeah, After yeah. so many weeks and years, months and years yeah. of praying for it, yes. I think with, if it's still around, that's kind of what your answer is. Maybe. Yeah, and so, <laughs> you know, we, we were looking. Guys, figured it out. And again, this is our, you know, this is our, our like, just our analytical minds. She and I both, where we were like, but we want that like definitive answer like, like old testament his voice coming down like yes i want you to move to Florida. right i want that definite like aha uh -huh, like yeah. oh you really want me to do yeah, this okay great and, and we had probably one of <laughs> one <laughs> it's of funny the, thinking about it right it's funny because I, I, it's so vivid to me we were sitting at uh, our, our friend's house um, he and his wife sarah and i around their dinner table they had us over we had dinner specifically to talk about this like, oh okay like, we, you know, we don't know what to do and everything else. And here is this incredibly intelligent theologian. I mean, this dude is, Don Everts is his name. He's just one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. Um, and we're sitting there and he's so eloquent with his words and everything else. And, and I flat out, I just said, Don, I, like, I don't know what God wants us to do. And I was hit over the head with a two by four with his answer. He goes, I don't think God cares. And I was like, what do you mean God doesn't care? Like, in my yeah. brain, I'm thinking like, how could you say that? And he goes, hear me out. Yeah, relax. God doesn't care if you're in St. Louis or you're in Florida or you're in Alaska or you're in Europe somewhere. God doesn't care. As long as you're going saying, hey, I want to be your hands and your feet. Use me. Right. right. He doesn't care. Right. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like Light that, bulb. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I, I know that. I knew that. I've known that. But I guess I just never really owned it. Right. And until that moment. And so <laughs> I think back on that quite often because that just caught me completely off guard to hear, you know. And, and it, it, he doesn't care, right? Coming it's from not, him in particular. Regardless, he's, he's going to be there. Yeah. and love you no matter what so it was it was that was pretty cool but that was ultimately i guess uh, i mean that was a, a big a big moment as far as you know just in our faith journey yeah i was gonna say it's amazing yeah where god brings us and and how he does work in us and through us yes. to to bring us to these certain places and the the you know the downfall You're like oh this was a bad thing and then it turned out to be not a bad thing you yeah. know like this pandemic thought it was gonna be terrible yeah we shut down for three months uh, a couple positives i got to hire my manager roy um I, I got i was able to build finances to do that i built an online presence yeah um with my online training yeah and uh 
uh, I got to hang out with my daughter for three months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the first three months of her life was uh, she had me every day. So all those things were positives. And if you look, it's that perspective. Like, what way are you looking at mm -hmm. it? Like, can, is it really bad or is this just an opportunity? Because every bad situation, I feel, is an opportunity to grow. Oh, no question. Right? And he's putting you through that because he knows you can get through it. He yeah. knows you can get through it. And that's why he's giving you that. Yeah. Right? So and to, he, go, to go into those, like I, another bit of, of great advice that I got um, during that whole time was from another very good friend of ours, um, very, very strong Christian. And I was asking him and he's, you know, he said, listen, he's like, you just got to look in the rearview mirror sometimes. And, and what he meant by that was, if you look back through your life, good times, bad times, whatever, has, have you ever been led astray? Has God ever, have you ever been let down? down? Right. You know, and, and again, that was another kind of like, holy cow moment. For every me. time at like, all, yeah, you're every right. time you drop, like, it's always boop. Yeah. So, you know, okay. 2020 rolls around and, and, you know, all, all the stuff hits the fan, so to speak, things are mm -hmm. shutting down. And I mean, there were times where even, you know, we, we looked and it was like, how, how are, are we, we going to do this? this? Right. How, how is this going to work? And it's right. like, if, if you can just collect yourself for a moment, sit down. For me, that's always in prayer. Yeah. Um, and just, I'm reminded of that again. Like, listen, I got this. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's God's, God's telling us, I got this. Yeah. I know um, what's going to happen. You know, it's already won. Exactly. Yep. And so you just, just, that's, that's your faith, right? I mean, that's yeah. the faith part of yeah. it. So then that for me, at least helps me just, continue to find the joy, uh, even when it looks really bad or whatever the case may be, you still find the joy in the fact that, okay, well, this is not my plan. Thank goodness. Uh, it's his plan and right. there is a plan and I'm part of it. And so, um, yeah, it's just helps. That, that's what helps me personally, I guess. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And, uh, that's just huge, man. I think that if anybody hasn't started their faith journey, I think that they need to look into that like because yeah. it i mean even if you don't know about a higher power or something like that it intrinsically gets you to it, it not intrinsically but it, it gets you to really think in, inward like what what's going on with this dude yeah or this lady you know start and, asking questions yeah i mean that's you know i mean that's that's ultimately what it's about uh speaking of questions let's get down to the last <laughs> few questions <laughs> well, uh, I, I like to do this at the end of a lot of our podcasts. I'm sure a lot of our listeners know where we ask a couple random questions. Um, we went over advice. Um, would you say any of those that you gave were the best advice like that was given to you? I, I would say the the first I, one. I would said. say the first one would, pro would probably be the yeah. best advice. I mean, I've been given advice by all different types. Yeah, of Yeah, that's very profound. Yeah, that's profound. But, but that was the one that still to this day. I mean, that still pops into my head regularly. Yeah. So yeah, it's there. That's, That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. Is there anything that you have been told that was a very um, bad advice? What was the worst advice you ever got, if any? Uh, He's like, hmm. <laughs> you know, so this is more from a just from a professional standpoint. And, okay. And you know, I don't know how this would translate into other business per se, um, but I was told or I shouldn't say told, I was given the advice shortly after I graduated uh, from chiropractic school to never start your own practice. Don't just start from scratch. 
Mm. Um, because you're going in brand new, it'll take you time to build up and so on and so forth. And so if you're going to do something like that, buy an existing practice. So I did, that's what I did. Um, and it worked out fine. Uh, it, d- it definitely worked out fine. But knowing what I know now, the amount of money that I spent to buy an existing practice is more than you would have spent to start yourself up. And at the end of 100%. the day, at the end of the day, all I bought for a pretty hefty price tag was some equipment, chiropractic equipment, <laughs> which was great equipment, but it was nowhere, Where worth, nowhere you, near worth what it was because of the depreciation and whatnot. Right. Dude, it's so funny you say that and not even to cut off the questions, but no, that literally is the same thing I feel as far as, and it wasn't really advice to me. It was just like intuitive to me maybe to okay. think that, oh, like this is, and don't get me wrong. It was my first foot in the door. The people there knew me already. I still have you know, half of that clientele that she had, Mm -hmm. I still have them. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it it was bad business, but I could have not bought anything from her, started somewhere else on my own lease or just my own merit and just went to a field to start and had those people come to a field for a way cheaper price. You know, if I really wanted to start low key and just build up. So I started off with, you know, already having overhead, already had, you know, rent, already had, you know, all this stuff right away, bam. Yeah. And, um, you know, only going off of what I knew as far as like training, yeah. you know, so I was very adept at science, but not so much in business. So for two years, I basically did science and uh, help people out, but yeah. didn't know how to build, didn't know how to bring people in that needed help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was my big thing. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely something, I mean, there, I don't want to say that it was horrible advice. It was just that right. for me, very, very similar, it sounds like to what you, you Exactly the same thing almost. (laughs) I could like looking back, I'm like, dang. Like, like I I paid, um, that's just, I don't really care if anybody knows, but uh, I paid a $10,000 to acquire the equipment and um, the clientele, clientele, which the clientele, once again, they probably would have came with me anyways, just based off of knowledge and knowing that I trained them for the past two months prior to her leaving anyways. I was the guy. Um, so looking back, being smarter, being 30 instead of 26, <laughs> 31 instead of 26, you know, I, I do understand that. I definitely would have took a different route on that. And yeah. it, But here's the thing, though, you know, in hindsight, look where I'm at now. Yeah. So it's, you know, you take your bumps and bruises. Yeah. I had to learn quick. But, you know, that's why God gave me a big brain and yep. uh, allowed me to take that on because, yeah. once again, he knew I could handle it yeah, to some extent. Yeah, so... Um, uh, as far as, so we talked kind of about a career decision, but any best or worst decision, career decisions that stick out? Let's go with best uh, first. From a, no, no, no? I mean, I, I guess I can't necessarily say a, a best and a worst decision. I, I take that back. Probably the best decision that I made professionally was to uh, find a coach. Okay. Uh, you know, just like anything else. Um, my first, first couple of years of practice, I was an associate. So I, I was, I did the grunt work. Basically, okay. um, sure. I showed up and I did what the owners of the clinic wanted needed to done, do. wanted done, wanted me to do. Sure. Basically all the stuff. That's how you always start, do, right? right? Um, but then when I bought uh, my own practice in St. Louis, uh, the first couple of years, I, I did okay. Um, you know, but again, kind of like you said, I, I knew chiropractic, um, felt like I was a very good chiropractor. I just didn't know business. I didn't know marketing. I didn't know right. any of that. I mean, and why would I? I didn't study any of that. Right. Um, 
so I, I just kind of toiled through those first couple of years and, and it was a good practice. Um, it was not super profitable. I just kind of hovered around breaking even and paying my bills sure. essentially. Yep. Um, but then it was my, I think it was my third year after owning that practice um, that uh, a friend of mine from school called and said, hey, I'm going to this um, seminar. It's a basic chiropractic seminar. Why don't you come with me? And I went and that was probably the best decision that I made because that, that within a year, I think I tripled my practice. Wow. And it wasn't because it was some kind of a magic bullet or anything like that as much as I then was able to just be around other chiropractors that were already doing it. Doing it. Right. And I, honestly, the biggest benefit that I got out of that was sitting around them and seeing, hey, they're doing it and they're no different than me. Right. Right. I'm, I'm worthy of that. Right. Yeah, and so I can do it. I just, you know, I just got to be friends with them, started picking their brains. And, and it was just some small tweaks here and there to uh, the way I was running, setting up my care plans and educating sure. patients and everything else. It's, it was the only difference. Sure. Um, so I'd say that was probably the best decision. Uh, worst decision. I don't know that I'd say there was any worse decisions. There, there was probably some that if I could go back and do them again, I would definitely do them differently. Sure. But in the big picture, I don't know how big of a change. Right, like buying a, an already existing practice. Yeah, as we yeah talked I don't about. know how much of a difference. And that's exactly how I feel. Like in hindsight, yes, but at the same time, it's not like would I be, you know, maybe yeah. a few more clients in here or maybe a little less. Um, I'm not really in debt with the business, so not nice. even any debt. So yeah. it's not like I'm even at that point where I had to take on debt to do it. It was just, you know, what I would be is I would be a little bit more financially set for the simple fact that I, I have there's a consistent monthly payment. Like I yeah. didn't just throw money down, you know, yeah. the whole the whole 10 G's, you yeah. know, so I, I, I had a consistent plan for, you know, a year or so. Like we made a certain thing. We signed a contract whole nine yards. Nice. Um, and so, I mean, maybe that would be because I know I know for a fact, like I said, just so, slowly building up my own equipment would have been way cheaper than paying her off for that. Sure. Plus what I was buying for the gym because gym always needs new equipment. Once yeah. again, in hindsight, I would have known that and been like, well, I'm going to have to buy stuff anyways yeah. all the time. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you, you know, I mean, really what it comes down to is, and this was the same, same for me, um, I was buying Goodwill. I was buying a patient base. In my case, I was buying a, a base of patients or por portfolio of patients Yep. That, you know, for the year or two or three prior to me purchasing, produced a certain amount of income revenue for the practice. But I was, I didn't, I didn't know enough. I didn't know who to ask. I didn't, I didn't ask. And that's, that's probably an, another bad decision that I made. It's part of the game. <laughs> I just naturally assumed, okay, well, I take over. I come in and every patient comes in and they're like, oh, okay, great. So it's you. We love you. Right. <laughs> and it but, doesn't work that way. And that, that's yeah. so crazy how people work, right? They just don't. It's not like, oh, well, you know as much as this guy. It's like, yeah. oh. No, we're, and we're, then they're like questioning you, and it's like, yeah. you know what, man? We're, we're creatures of habit. <laughs> we are. We love our routine. We, we are. And that's why, that's why when I try to transition, and I know that's what. See, once again, we're getting better with age. That's why when I do do that or I have, you know, Roy maybe train a personal training client that I was having, I will have him come in yep. multiple times while I'm there so he can just talk to them, yeah. not even it's just easy. to get to know them. It's, yep. it's an easy process. But Simple. Until somebody explains it to you or until you're you not understand. It out on your own. Exactly. Yeah. And that's something I didn't understand. There was a, a couple times where I would have somebody in here that, um, 
knew about training. They're, they've just been long-term clients and then want to help somebody that, uh, you know, is a personal training client. And even though I'm, you know, I'm doing everything right and they're doing, you know, they might miss one thing. You know, they want me to say something to them, not this person. Right. Even though I, I was like talking to like their mom or something yeah. like that. It's like, oh, well, she was telling me this. And I don't really want to be told by her. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Or he was telling me this. I don't really want it's to be told different. by him. Yeah, it's just, it's just, just how people are, man. I totally finicky. We're finicky, man. Yeah. So we really are. So, all right, a couple more random questions. Sure. Chiefs versus Bucks. Who you got? Oh, man. So <laughs> I'm tormented with this. I, okay. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, self-admittedly. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, you're, 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 you went over to so. Texas for a while. There's, yes. there's reason. Yes. Um, <laughs> however, I have some of my very best friends uh, on the planet are all diehard Chief fans. Nothing wrong with that. No. Pat Mahomes is awesome. Uh, Mahomes is awesome. However, um, just because of just because of my buddies constantly talking about them, I'm kind of like, <laughs> done Brady, with it. please put them in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but then on the other hand, I would say, like, I, I've been thinking really over the last couple of weeks, uh, I listen to a lot of like ESPN sports talk radio. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of my, my getaway. It's your go to. Man, what Brady is doing. Immaculate. Is insane. It's insane. It's insane. I just heard a, a stat yesterday that, you know, I mean, again, if, if you pay attention to sports at all, you already know this, but until you hear it, it like. Or again, see it on just the ESPN, like yep. A brick on your head. He, he, with this Super Bowl appearance, he has now appeared in more Super Bowls than I think it was like 75 or 80% of the franchises in That's the insane, NFL. insane, dude. Because Brady's been the Super Bowl like all his whole entire That's career. It it's weird to not see Brady in the Super Bowl. Or at least in the late playoffs. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. I mean, can you think about, okay, we're talking about that number. What about the playoff right. number? Right. Just making the playoffs because that's been his entire career. I don't think he's not made the playoffs. Am yeah. I right? So, no, well, I think maybe once. It's been one yeah, year he one didn't make the playoffs. His first year, I think. Or was it the year he broke his leg? Like, is that the year that he didn't no, make the playoffs? They still made the playoffs. Right. Okay. So, was the, the maybe the year Castle, after that then? Castle stepped in. Last, uh, last year on the Patriots. No, they just lost to Pat Mahomes last year. Yeah. In the in the Super Bowl. In the, yeah. In the NFC in the, or the AFC East. I mean, AFC East, yeah, they didn't so, make yeah, the Super Bowl, so, I mean, that, right? AFC East, they lost them. Because Patriots. of that, I think, I mean, Mahomes is going to be awesome for the next 15 years. So we're going to see a lot of. Yeah, no, he's, he's the next Brady. So he's I, the next I man. Think, he's I don't dude. know. I think I'm finding myself slowly starting to pull or side with the Bucks. Yeah. Just because, I mean, that, that's just. Incredible. Yeah, I don't care who wins, but I'm definitely all about Brady. I want Brady to win his yeah. la last little. Go ahead, bring win your ring, you and not only that, man, it could be like another two or three. Yeah, it could be. You're right. The way he plays. And the thing is, is that what's crazy is that the Bucks were garbage last year. Yeah, like terrible. And then all of a sudden, boom, Brady, and everybody's like Belichick, Belichick. But why didn't the Patriots make the playoffs? Yeah, it's it's amazing. To me. They got so, Cam Newton, grade A quarterback, supposedly. So what happened? <laughs> so that, that's what I, I'm finding myself slowly. I mean, I don't really care who wins because. Uh, Boys aren't playing, of course. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Time. I mean, you just got to get used to that sometimes. It's like, you know, some people in their Mets. And... Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. So, so um, one last and profound question really is, uh, where, where do you want to leave your legacy? Where do you want to leave your mark? You know, I'd say um, 
And that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough question. It is. <laughs> uh, it's not a tough question as much as, I mean, there's just, there's so many, there's a, right? It's an I mean, in-depth. I, I could sit here, I could be very altruistic right now and say, oh, you know, I want to make humanity better and everything else, <laughs> which of course is true. Um, right, but every step you make yourself better, you're making humanity right, better, right? Right. And just so being I, a better person in the I world. I would say, I mean, for, for me, um, I think a great legacy would be with my kids. Not so much if they become household names, superstars, or anything like that. Not not that at all. Just that that they're solid character. Yeah. Um, that they um, continue to have faith, and that they continue to just try to be the best people that they can be. Yep. Um, because ultimately, like you said, I mean that that's that's going to have an impact on humanity. I mean, just if each yes. of us individually continue to try to be... Put out our best foot. Everybody's right. different. Everybody's going to have different views. But right. if you're being kind and putting out your best foot to take care of somebody else, yeah. it's a very, very big statement that I uh, say all the time is, uh, you know, if you that I hear all the time and I just repeat it. Yeah. Um, if you make sure someone else is okay, God will make sure li your life is okay. Yeah, yeah. I make, mean, a, make sure other people's are okay man. and so so for me i mean obviously you know i've shared with you my, my wife and i our family we're, we're, we're believers we're, we um, have strong faith it's yeah strengthening every day or we hope that it's strengthening every day working on it every day but you know scripture scripture basically tells us teaches us that everything we do we need to be working at trying to transform ourselves to be more in the likeness of god yes um, you know and, and that comes with yes everything from attitude to uh, gratitude to joy to love to yep. patience to kindness i mean all the things Absolutely. that we use as cliches anymore um but that i would say that would probably be for me the legacy that i would want to leave is is would be that that my my kids and then their kids and then their kids continue to carry on um, absolutely that desire to, to continually be trying to transform and, and be more more like Christ. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and I, I know that sounds like whatever. I mean, I don't want to sit here and, and make it sound like I'm, I'm a choir boy, church, church guy, perfect. Cause I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm no. Broken You're not sounding like that at all. <laughs> as everybody is. But at the end of the day, um, I've learned, years ago I learned, I, I'm not in control. Um, and the times that I felt like I was in control, things typically don't go right. So um, that was a big part for me to just finally say, listen, I'm, I'm now grateful and joyful that I'm not in control um, and that God is. Yeah, so. absolutely, man. I, I love that because that's, it's so, so simple, like you were saying, but it's so profound, you know, just yeah. bettering yourself every day being involved with other people, caring about other people because it's not about us, right? right? right. Um, and that's that, I think that gratitude perspective and even in our professions mm -hmm. um, is super huge because, you know, we could get in the day to day and oh yeah, we're taking that, okay, next person, you know, but uh, to actually have a relationship with your clients that come in and actually know about their life, how yeah. they're actually doing, it's a totally different story. Yeah, that's that, just, just, I guess, kind of a, a parallel to that. Um, I tell my staff regularly, um, we see patients, patients are coming into us and they're in pain. Yep. And what I tell people is in, in a lot of instances, the biggest help that we can be for them is to just listen. Absolutely. Um, you know, of course, everybody wants their pain that's to go big. away yesterday. We yep. want to make the pain go away yesterday, but in a lot of cases, that's just not possible. 
Um, but a large part of the frustration and the depression and the anxiety and the fear that comes with not being healthy, with having an injury or whatever it is, it's the simple fact that you, you feel alone. Um, you know, you don't feel like yourself. It, it's no fun not feeling good. And we get in our feelings very quickly. Yeah. We sit around and we start to dwell on, well, I used to be able to do this, but now I can't. Right. How is this going to affect my life? And oh no, everything's going down the drain kind of a thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds silly because we've all been hurt. We've all been sick. We've all had challenges. But when it becomes a, a more chronic issue or a chronic challenge, like a lot of our patients are older and the pain may not ever go away. But it right. doesn't mean that your life is over. It just right. means that you might have to make some modifications. We have to manage it a little better. And in a lot of cases, just simply having that conversation with the patient uh, or with the person makes all the difference for them because they say, oh, you know what, you're right. Like my lens on this, my perspective on this had just gotten very, very skewed. And I'm thinking, oh, man, it's out of the world. It's the end. It's it's the end of me because I, I can't, you know, do what I used to do or whatever the case may be. That's not the case at all. Um. But a lot, you lose, we lose sight of that. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to lose sight of that. So sure. the compassion, the personal relationship, the ability to communicate with people, I think is... Very is, high priority. Yeah, 90% of it. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, it's been it's a great fun. podcast. Great co- Yeah, it is fun, isn't it? Cool. <laughs> it's great talking to you, man. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll have you back on maybe um, with Sarah in the future. Oh, that'd be um, cool. That'd just, be fun. Just spitball with both you guys yeah. and uh but and maybe even the girls who knows oh, <laughs> oh my goodness that would be something if you want to share entertainment you need to get Kelsey, my eight-year-old on here she will tell stories that okay so maybe maybe her and sarah the next oh, ones which <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be entertaining <laughs> well until next time man really appreciate yeah, your time thank you, <laughs> thank you.